So, as Holly said, my name is Hannah, this is Emmy. You'll probably know Emmy better than me because I go to the Burn Home Service. I'm one of the site leaders over there, so um, it's a privilege to be here today. We brought our own chairs, so we just yeah, thought we we'd have a, have a little sit down <laughs> for this one. Um, also, just want to let you know this is Emmy's first talk, so be on your best behaviour for Emmy. You can be as rude as you want to me, but smile when Emmy speaks, please. <laughs> You're all very smiley, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, so me and Hannah know each other as Hannah um, formerly mentors me. Um, I basically started hanging out with Hannah and her family when I first came to university in first year. Um, babysat for them, just hung out, discovered me and Hannah actually love each other and really get on. <laughs> so we're actually friends as well. We're actually friends, we? yeah. yeah. Despite the age gap, 16 years. Shock. I know. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was taking my GCSEs when Emmy was born. <laughs> feel very young. Um, and Emmy, you spent a bit of time in America. What was your favourite mm. thing about being in America? Well, my family still live there, so officially I have to say my family. <laughs> um, however, ice cream was great. My cookies are my weakness, and cookies are really good in America, so I'm going to say that. But you've okay. just been there for two weeks. For one week. One yeah, week. It felt like a long time. <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. Fair. What was your favourite thing about it? Um, so I really enjoyed the accent, um, and uh, they really enjoyed my accent as well. One girl just kept going, Harry Potter, to me. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and I met this lady from uh, Alabama, such a great accent. And then um, she's a mum like me, and um, she taught me this phrase that she uses when her kids are being really annoying. She just looks them in the eye and goes, that dog don't hunt around here. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I've started using it on my children. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I, she said this multiple times to me. I still haven't figured out what that means yet. It's fine. Um, so today we're going to be looking at the theme of discipleship multiplication. So let's start where Jesus first calls us to this in Matthew 28. Should we open our Bibles? Now? Yeah, open your yeah, Bibles, Matthew friends. 28. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So a pretty familiar passage for people that have been a Christian for a while. If you're new to faith, that might be brand new to you. But this is like quite a well-known passage, the Great Commission. Um, some of us have heard it lots of times. But do we know that this is for us today? Do we know that this is not just something Jesus said 2,000 years ago to a small group of people, but he is speaking to us today? To be a disciple of Jesus is to make disciples of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that feels massively overwhelming. Go and make disciples of all nations. What does that look like? What does it look like to disciple someone? Yeah, because it's easy for Jesus to say that, right? Because he's God. So he's like, oh yeah, let's just do that. And we all have to go, okay, we'll figure this out. And also to, to be able to disciple someone, it feels like quite a big task. Like you need to be really wise, really mature, know your Bible really well. Maybe you get up every morning and pray for two hours. You need to maybe have some good listening skills, some counseling skills, also be able to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's quite a resume you need to be able to disciple someone. Now, let's be honest, Han, <laughs> the 
you don't have all of those perfected. <laughs> um, you're pretty great, but not, not the entire resume, as you just said. And we figured out between us that discipleship looks like um, Hannah just being a bit wiser than I am. She's experienced a few more things than I have. Um, she's got life figured out a little bit more than I have. Yeah, definitely. I am a lifelong learner. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, I, I seek discipleship from um, other people, people that are older than me, more experienced than me, particularly parents of teenagers, because that, that phase of life petrifies me. Um, yeah, we're, we're like learning together, aren't we? Absolutely. So let's play a game of spot the difference. You're going to get into pairs in a minute, and one of you is going to look up Mark 3, 13 to 19, the other one, Luke 6, 12 to 16, and I want you to look up the similarities and the differences between those passages. Go. So those two passages are two different descriptions of Jesus calling his 12 disciples. Why don't you start shouting out some of the differences that you notice between the passages? One's longer. Phil. Thaddeus is James. Thaddeus is Judas. <laughs> okay, what else? In Luke, he prays first. You get 10 points because that's on our piece of paper. <laughs> what else? Yeah, okay. He mentioned some names that are not mentioned in other passages. What else? Yeah, Marky chats through. Yeah, preaching, holding authority. Yeah, brilliant. So just to kind of summarize, he names in Luke that they're apostles, um, not just disciples. He also says in Luke that Jesus prayed all night long. And then in Mark, it says that um, he called them to be with him um, so that they, that they could be sent out to preach and to hold authority. Brilliant. Great. So I just want to start by picking up on this word apostle. That for some people, this might be a new word. For some of you, you might have heard it uh, loads of times. Um, the word apostle comes from ancient Greek, and then it was kind of stolen by the Romans and used uh, in the Roman Empire times. And it means um, a person, an ambassador that is sent from a place to another place. And when they get to that place, their job with the team around them is to turn that place, um, that culture, into the culture that they've been sent from. So this is how the Roman Empire grew. They, they didn't want to just take rule over new places. They want to completely change the culture so that they took on the ethos and the values of the Romans as well. So when Jesus uses this word, apostle, it's a word that those people at that time would have been familiar with. They knew what the word apostle meant, but yet they hadn't heard it used in this context before. So Jesus is being a little bit provocative when he uses it. And he's also taking claim of this Roman word, um, and taking it for the kingdom. He's saying, you will be sent to places to transform communities, to make disciples of people, not for the growth of the Roman Empire, but for the growth of the kingdom empire. So the pastors say that Jesus prayed all night long. Now, what the flip was he praying for? A mountainside all night long. Was it that he went up with 20 names in his head and then prayed it down to 12? Was it that he prayed through the 12 people um, by name all night? Or was he praying for something else completely different? The fact is, we don't know. Now, to the theologians in the room, do go and figure it out. Do go have a look at what it says about that. But for right now, all we know is that he prayed all night long. 
Yeah, so before I started discipling you, Emmy, I did not pray all night long. Nightmare. So, <laughs> are you saying that that is what we should be doing before we select our apostles? And, and that's the problem, isn't it? Is it feels quite impractical to spend a full night praying instead of sleeping, for example. A lot of us have uni or work or have kids, maybe. Um, and that, that is really impractical. Um, I actually spent time um, a few weeks ago with a friend. And halfway through the conversation, he stopped me and went, um, I was just praying for you on the walk here, and I felt like God was saying some of these things to you, and it completely changed the course of our conversation. Um, but I think that's what it looks like, is to just be more intentional, more intentional about how we pray when spending time with another person. So hanging out with them, okay, pray on the walk there, pray on the bus. Um, or if you love praying on a morning, pray for viewers on a morning of them if you have that time. Yeah, that's great. So in our discipleship model, you can see that our first step is pray, step number one. So I want to uh, look next at um, the bit in this scripture where it says, so that they might be with him. This is a bit that would be so easy to overlook and just go straight to the juicy stuff of um, how Jesus taught them how to preach and cast out demons. But I think it is absolutely vital in our discipleship model, so that they might be with him. I looked it up in five different translations, and it all says, be with. So it's really, really clear that that is that is um, paramount to Jesus' teaching. The original Greek word was dia tribo, and dia means against, um, tribo means rub. So it more literally means to rub against. So you know if you spend lots of time with someone, then you, uh, they begin to rub off on you or you rub off on them. The habits, you know, the way they speak, stuff like that just begins to kind of infect you, even if it's unintentional. Yeah, so um, the first time I went back to see my family after I came to university in first year, it was Christmas, um, and I was spending time with my family, my parents specifically, and kept saying the word mate, so like, mate, what are we having for dinner? <laughs> to, my, to my mum, by the way, to my mum. Um, I also said words like sick and cray-cray, like, oh, that's so cray-cray, and they basically had to sit me down and say, um, Emmy, we don't know where you pick these words up from. We don't like them, and we don't understand them. They're not biblical. They're not biblical. No, my parents wouldn't say that. Um, but they're just, they're, they just picked them up of living um, with 11 other people for three months at that point. However, my housemates also taught me um, what it looks like to keep someone safe on a night out, for example. So that's another thing that's kind of rubbed off on me that I've picked up from them. Yeah, that's a really good example. So when Jesus invites the disciples into, um, to, to be the apostles, he's inviting them into his public and his private life. He is inviting them to be part of the discussions, the debates, the decisions. He is um, asking them to be his family. And as we know, family is never a show. I'm not sure what it's like when uh, you're with your close family, but we certainly don't are not on our best behavior when we're at home. I've got two children, they're age six and seven. Um, they are lovely and they get on well, but about a year ago, they argued all the time. And this might resonate with you from being a child yourself, where whatever your siblings got, you want it. So they argued about who sat where on the sofa, about what to watch. Uh, they argued about what games to play, whatever it was there was an argument going on, and I was spending all of my time refereeing them, and it was so frustrating. In fact, one day, I decided I'm not going to referee. I'm just going to see what happens. Mistake. Within 10 minutes, my youngest, who was about four at the time, picked up the heaviest toy he could find and smashed the other child over the head with it. So I very quickly had to start refereeing again. Um, <laughs> 
I went to my friend Susie, who's got four children. She's the fount of all knowledge when it comes to anything to do with children. And I was like, what do I do? I'm at the end of my tether with my children. They just argue all the time. And she said, yeah, but Hannah, this is where they learn how to be humans, in the safety of a family. This is where they learn compassion and kindness. This is where they learn what it feels like to hit someone over the head with a toy and not go to prison. <laughs> but receive forgiveness. This is in the safety net of a family. This is where they explore stuff. And I so see that in what Jesus is doing with the apostles. He's inviting them into the family. This is where they're going to learn all the stuff that they need to know, not by being taught it, but by just being around each other, by being around Jesus, by seeing his teachings, his miracles. I'm sure Jesus will have included them in, you know, decisions and things. What do you think we should do? Where shall we go? It wouldn't have been an authoritarian um, model. It will have been, let's just figure this out together and we'll influence each other. Yeah, and that's exactly what you guys did with me is you um, invited me into your family. You let me... Um, see the state of the house and, and oh no, all that stuff. <laughs> um, it, it is spotless, eventually. Um, but, but you just let me observe how you live um, with your kids and with your husband. Yeah, you just kind of become one of us, haven't you? And I do make conscious decisions to include Emmy in what's going on. So it isn't a counselling relationship. I'm not like in a professional mode. If I'm struggling with something, Emmy knows about it and I ask her advice on it. You know, it's a, it's a two-way street. It's just like Emmy said earlier, I'm just a little bit ahead of her in life. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, keep going, keep no. going. <laughs> um, obviously not everyone here is a mum, so... Maybe the house isn't a mess. Maybe, um, maybe you're not married, so you don't have these conversations with your husband. Um, I know that your husband, Luke, for example, he um, loves playing golf. That's something that's part of his everyday routine. He invites some of the guys along to that. Um, I also know someone else who goes on 10-mile runs. Not for me. Um, however, um, she invites people along to do that with her because it's what she's doing anyway. She's in the room. She knows who she is. She knows who she is. <laughs> um, so in our model, Jesus starts with prayer. And then the next step is be with. Just spend time with. So what's next, Emmy? Yeah. So through spending time with someone, journeying with them, walking with them, you begin to pick up giftings that the other person has. And then from that, you can kind of discover what you can teach that person. In Jesus' case, it was to preach and to hold authority in casting out demons. However, for us, it might look like budgeting time management, or maybe it is um, to read your Bible or learning how to pray. Yeah, that's right. And I, over the years, I've discipled all sorts of different people. Um, I've helped two people apply for jobs successfully. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, I've also helped lots of people just learn how to say no, because, you know, some people not just, just need to learn not to take on too much and, and how to say no to, to good things, but just because they haven't got time for it. Uh, in Emmy, I saw the gift of communication, and so that's what's happening right now, is I am teaching Emmy how to do a talk. So I've taken her through the whole process from starting with a passage to how you unpack that to how you turn that into a message, and then she's up here doing it for the first time. So I saw that gift in her, and I said, let's do this, and uh, you're seeing it happen. Yeah, so how do we equip someone? It might feel like you're a bit out of your depth, are not really knowing where to start with this. It might be um, that you're brilliant at hospitality and great at cooking and have someone who would love to learn that from you. How is it that you start that? Um, there's one practical tool called the square, medal, square, medal, square model of apprenticeship. Um, so it's I do, you watch. I do, you help. 
You do I help, you do I watch. Let's take this current example of what me and Hannah are doing right now. So Hannah, um, I've seen you preach about two, three, four times in the last few years. Um, so that's been the first step of I do and you watch. A few weeks ago, Hannah called me and said, hey, I'd love you to help me out with this talk that I'm doing in a few weeks. So we moved into this next stage of I do and you help. Hopefully, if this goes well, friends, Hannah will call me and say, hey, I'd love you to do a talk now where I help you. So we'll be in the next stage of you do and I help. And then the goal is you do and I watch where Hannah will be sat where you guys are watching me, hopefully. Um, now, the thing is with this is that it might be that you have to repeat some stages or Hannah might say after this, I don't think you're ready to do this yet. Let's go back to the first stage and you can watch me um, do a talk, get back to the roots sort of thing. Um, it does look different. Yeah, that's right. So if we could just have a show of hands, if you think Emmy should progress to a stage. No, I'm hands, down, I'm hands, I'm down, hands down, hands <laughs> down. Not right now. <laughs> we'll decide later. <laughs> um, and so this obviously isn't the only way of doing apprenticeship, of equipping someone. It's just a really useful tool to have up your sleeve. But there are other ways of doing it. Yeah, so for our relationship, it sometimes does work differently. Um, I learned from Hannah how to be good or better at confrontation. Hannah's really good at this. Um, however, it's a really awkward thing to be good at. No, I'm great at conflict. It's, it is brilliant. It's a great skill to have. Um, but I didn't see Hannah um, go through conflict and then say, hey, Han, can I help you next time? That's not what happened. It wasn't like, yeah, help, come help me, come help me. It was, I asked her for wisdom when I had um, a situation that, that needed happening in. Um, then took it back to her, relayed it back to her, um, and then she said, it sounds like you did this bit really well, but um, maybe you need to take this angle next time. It does look completely different depending on context and relationship. Yeah, that's right. And that's why that spending time, that step two is so important, because that's it grows out of that. It's not just there, you know, for fun. It's That's how you develop the relationship. So that's our three-step model for discipleship, to pray, to be with, and then to equip. So where are you at? in this discipleship model in terms of who you might be investing in. The Great Commission, as we heard at the start, says, go and make disciples of all nations. And so this discipleship thing isn't something that we just go, it's not really my thing. You know, I'll just stick to evangelism or praying in tongues or whatever gifting you have. We are all called to make disciples. Um, a few weeks ago, Luke showed us a Venn diagram. We've got it here. Uh, where we were challenged to think about people that generally we're good for, people that we're investing in, and then people generally that are investing in us. So let's just think about those people in that left-hand circle. Who can you be intentionally spending time with from that circle? Who can you be praying for and strategically thinking, how can I invest more in that person? How can I just bring them into my life, my family, um, how can I just spend time with them, take them under my wing a little bit? Not starting with apprenticeship, but just starting by drawing them into your life a little bit more. Who can you just get alongside in whatever it is they're doing? So a few years ago, I discipled someone called Miriam that some of you might know, and she um, played football on the university football team. So one Saturday or Wednesday, I think, I went along um, and watched uh, Miriam and just cheered for her just to get alongside something that she was doing. Um, fortunately, she only got two minutes on the pitch, so it was kind of a waste of an afternoon. But anyway, <laughs> it was great that I was there. You were there. still there. You were still there. <laughs> Do you see a gift in them that you can name? Last week we did ICNU activity. Can you name that gift? 
and then help to grow it. Can you see an area where you can help? So it might be um, that you're really, um, or that you have someone who's really gifted in encouragement, um, but maybe they can't commit to many things. Um, is it that you that can give some guidance or direction in that? Yeah, that's right. So if we are making disciples, and they are making disciples, and they are making disciples, hopefully we will begin to see generations of disciples stretching out in front of us. So when I first went to university, I wasn't a Christian, never been to church. And my friend Carrie, who lived opposite me in halls, discipled me into faith. I then discipled Miriam. Miriam then discipled Holly. The photos just get better. (laughs) (laughs) Holly has discipled Annabelle, and Annabelle is currently discipling. Look at Annabelle. (laughs) Little clip art of Annabelle discipling Mel. So there, we've got six generations of disciples, starting with Carrie, then me, then Miriam, then Holly, then uh, Annabelle, then Mel. There we go. (laughs) I lost count then. So many. (laughs) Six generations of disciples. And it all started with Carrie just spending time with me, her ethos and her values, and ultimately her faith in Jesus rubbing off on me. And you know what? She was only 18. She was a fresher, and I was a fresher too, only a few months older than me. She didn't have loads of life experience. She wasn't a trained counsellor. She just had a little bit more faith than me and a whole lot more of Jesus than I did. So friends, this is not the time to sit back and wait for someone to start investing in you before you start discipling others. The fact is, we are already influencing people whether we know it or not. Um, Maybe it's like on the, on the way to uni, on the school run, on the way to work, wherever it is, um, you are influencing people, you are rubbing off on people. Is it that you want to be showing people that you speak poorly of others, that you get stressed out, or that you get drunk? Or is it that you want to start showing people um, how Jesus lived and reflect what he did? Now, Carrie was only 18 when she started started discipling Hannah. She invited her into her home, and she showed her what Jesus was like. And at the end of Hannah's first year at university, Hannah gave her life to Jesus. You're not too young. You're not too old. This is the time to do this. We are all called to to make disciples of all nations. And look what has happened. Like hundreds of thousands of people have come to be closer to Jesus and know more of his name just because one 18-year-old said to Hannah, hey, do you want to come on this mission, club mission with me? Um, who said, hey, do you want to come and pray for these people with me even though you don't really know who God is yet? Yeah. Um, it was that that had this impact. Yeah, because that, sorry, that's, that, that sixth generation line is only one one line, but if we were to stretch that out into a family tree where you've got 20 people discipling 20 people, discipling 20 people over six generations, Christian did the maths, and it's something like 128 million. Sorry, 64 million. Sorry, that's such a disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) That, That would stretch out into 64 million people when you do the maths along that, which sounds ridiculous, right? But that is how we make disciples of all nations. Yeah, now some people in the room may be thinking, I actually have nothing to offer anyone. I am not gifted. I um, haven't learned anything yet. That's not true. We've all been given gifts. We've all learned things that other people in the room haven't learned yet. We need to start handing this on. Some people might already be brilliant at taking people for coffee, at encouraging people, at growing people um, in, in their lives. But is it that you're holding people at arm's length? 
How does it feel to think that the next time you're about to ask someone for coffee, you invite them over to your home instead um, and ask to cook dinner for them? Yeah, and you might be thinking, well, I've never had this, and, you know, I turned out okay, so why should I do it for someone else? But I think, like, our goal in this is that we see people go further than ourselves, because that is what Jesus said, you will do more than me. So right now, Emmy's doing her very first uh, talk, and I hope that one day I see her giving a main stage talk at New Wine, and I'll be sat on the front row cheering her on. I don't know if she wants to do that, but that's what I'm championing. (laughs) You might also be thinking, this sounds great, but I just haven't got time for it. My diary's really busy. My life is really busy. I'm not sure how I'd fit this in. But I think that's the beauty of this model, because it starts with spending time in something you're already doing. So you're just inviting people into what you're already doing. If you like playing tennis, invite people along. If you play chess, invite people along. Draw them into your life, and that is where it begins. This is how we grow the kingdom of God. We are called to be apostles, sent from a place to transform another place, sent from heaven to transform our communities to be more like heaven. This is who we are at GT. We are family. We support each other. We invest in each other. We elevate people above ourselves. We actively love and seek the best for our family so that their win is our win. So we're going to give some time to respond to this now. Hopefully, as we've been speaking, you've been thinking of a person that you want to be more intentional. Uh, I keep saying intentional, intentional about um, making that relationship with. Um, now, if you look at these cards, they should be underneath um, your chairs. Bear with how cheesy you might think it is at this point. <laughs> um, but basically, we want you guys to be writing their name where it says hello. Then it says, my name is, enter your name. And then, would you like to? This might be, would you like to go on a walk? This might be, would you like to um, head to university with me? This might be, would you like to play golf with me? Watch a movie with me? And then leave your contact details there. Now, this is meant to act as a prompt. So it might be that this person is, in fact, in the room. Um, be bold and give this card to them, or if you think it's a bit cheesy, then have that conversation with them. If they are not in the room, if they're a colleague or um, maybe a university friend, a housemate, then this is a prompt in order to remind you to have that conversation in the next week. Um, It's an own personal commitment to make disciples, starting, first of all, with this person's name. So just so you know, this is not a dating program, okay? (laughs) If the person you're thinking is the opposite sex and single like you, don't do it. Okay? It did happen at Burnham earlier. Uh, (laughs) Keep it same sex if possible. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have two minutes now. Um, Write that name down and be prepared for that conversation that is going to happen this week.